Welcome to the Inner Feminine Beast Podcast, where I'm teaching you how to be the highest version of yourself that has the power, strength, courage, and clarity to claim the life you desire and have it emerge through here in the physical. This podcast will empower you to use the laws of the universe and align with your intuition, create big wins in business by teaching you winning sales strategies and wealth practices, my secrets to healthier relationships, better health, and living like the fierce woman you are. I'm your host, Cynthia Stant, a dedicated student to metaphysics, a self-made millionaire, and a CEO. Let's get it going and unleash your inner feminine beast. Hello, hello, IFB. You are in a lovely, lovely place today hanging out with us because I have a special interview, an IFB interview with a guest who really um, does an amazing job supporting women with something that I find so valuable. Um, You know, I say it all the time, but being an entrepreneur, there's obviously many benefits to it. Now, we all know it's not just rainbows, Prince Charmings and butterflies, but I think the best part of it is that, you know, you're here really making a huge impact. It's awesome not being capped in your income and having this, you know, absolute potential to make as much money as you please. But I think the thing that I love the most is the freedom that I've been able to create in my life. And our guest today really is all about helping entrepreneurs to reimagine what success looks like as a business owner and to be able to truly um, be able to create that personal vision of success and live it and embody it. So we're going to have a deep conversation about that today. So I'm going to make sure I introduce her first and then we'll have her come on. But our guest today is Anna Lundenberg. Anna Lundenberg is the founder of One Step Outside, where she helps experienced professionals around the world design a career, a business, and a lifestyle that brings them more freedom, flexibility, and fulfillment outside of the conventional nine to five. Voted, I, I read this earlier today, by the way, Anna. I was reading this and I was like, I, was, I had to stop. And I was like, husband, listen to my guest today. Look how bad ass she is. Ready? Uh-huh. We have the best guest on the show. All right, ready? Voted most likely to succeed and graduating top of her class at the age of 17, Anna studied philosophy politics and economics at the University of Oxford, and then continued on to do a postgraduate in international relations at the Graduate Institute of International Studies in Geneva. How cool is that? Having ended up in corporate marketing after her studies, she spent the formative years of her career in beauty and luxury brand management. Leaving her role as multinational Procter & Gamble to start her own company in 2013, she began her new entrepreneurial path by providing digital marketing consulting to well-known brands like Burberry, through uh, through her exciting new startups and solopreneurs. Anna now combines her decade of experience in corporate marketing with her training in coaching and positive psychology techniques to help people reimagine the next phase of their career with a blend of life coaching and business mentoring. She is the host of the Reimagining Success podcast. You'll definitely have to check that out. And the author of Leaving the Corporate 9 to 5. And new in 2023, the outside of the nine to five. Congratulations. That's awesome. She's a mom of, I love that, mom of Sophia, almost three, and Zach, two and a half. She lives with her family by the sea on the south coast of England. Welcome to the show, Anna. 
Oh, thank you so much. What an introduction. Who wrote that? Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? I always like, I read these and I'm just like, wow, we have such amazing guests. And I think that's really cool to learn so much about you. So again, I love everything that you stand for. Um, as I was saying, freedom is my favorite part of the life that I've been able to create. And it's what I teach as well. But um, I know what it's funny when you and I first connected uh, for the podcast, I like to always talk to our guests beforehand, kind of get in the vibe, see what kind of value we can provide, see how we can highlight you. Um, and you did it from your car. <laughs> you remember? <laughs> that sure is how, yes. you know, I know I loved it. That's wonderful. Like, Sure as hell beats, you know, having to be in a corporate boardroom all the time. And um, just for shits and giggles, I'm, I'm curious, are you wearing yoga pants right now? I'm actually not. I'm, I'm wearing the new trendy wide leg jeans. I've abandoned my skinnies because apparently we're not allowed to wear those anymore, says Gen Z. So I'm embracing the new oh, trend. Okay. But no, I'm not. I'm not quite as glamorous as you are, but I'm sort of mid mid uh, fashion today. <laughs> glamorous. <laughs> I have my yoga pants on. And well, I'm your top half it. is beautiful. I'm all about the, the yoga half. pants. But yeah, the, the car thing was, I mean, it's it's always difficult with time zones. I really try to, we well, talk about that in a moment, but I mean, I try to live the whole work-life integration. And sometimes that looks like grabbing a call while you're on holiday or, you know, or the other way around. But sometimes for me, I really have those clear boundaries. So it's interesting to to discuss what works, what doesn't, and and to learn as well what works. Because I, to be honest, I'm glad we could have the call and you were very gracious about it, but that's not usually how I would like to have a professional call. The light went out, it was dark. I was just there in this car by myself. So that's not usually the vibe, but I'm glad that we connected and here we are today. So no, I like that about you. No, I know what you mean. I'm very strict about my uh, done at five o'clock too. But if you have an amazing guest who's in Bali, or in Australia, you kind of have to pivot with that. But um, so, you know, the reason I was just talking about that, though, is because um, you're very passionate about helping people to see outside the nine to five. And so what I'm imagining, and I don't know, and that's why I'm going to ask is that perhaps maybe your experience in the nine to five wasn't your favorite. <laughs> so I would love to know before owning your own company, what was life like for you? What was life like? So it's an insightful question. And the truth is that it, it wasn't that I hated the job. I didn't burn out. It wasn't like I had a toxic work culture. I didn't even have kids at that time. So it wasn't that I didn't have a good work-life balance. I laugh a little bit at the bio that you read. And, and yes, it sounds impressive. But the irony is that I keep that in the bio, but I've kind of turned my back on all of that. So it's it's funny that I kind of still hold on to it. And the fact that I was voted most likely to succeed, I always find hilarious because I wonder what did my classmates mean? And I think they meant because I was getting good grades. I was getting the gold star at school. I went to the good university. I did the good job. I was ranked top of my class, even at work there, we even had a ranking. And so I followed that traditional success path of kind of climbing the ladder. And there was always a disconnect because I studied something totally different. I wanted to, as many people want to change the world. And then I ended up selling perfume and makeup, which of course is great when you're young and you're a woman and you love that kind of thing, but it didn't really feel like I was improving the world so much. So there's always a disconnect that I'm, I wasn't in the right place. And then there were personal reasons too. I looked around after seven, eight years and, and my friends were kind of all marrying and popping out kids left, right and center. And I was in Geneva in Switzerland at the time and it just felt a bit small. And so I, for various reasons, decided to leave and that's how things started for me. So no, it wasn't that I hated it. There was always this kind of disconnect and emptiness of feeling I can do more. And, and that was what triggered it. And so yeah, lots of twists and turns that we can get into, but that was the moment. But I had, as as you would imagine, kind of that successful traditional path before turning my back on that and kind yeah. of swinging all the way to the other end. 
We have similar stories, different too, but I, I think that's interesting because I think that's how a lot of us feel, especially before getting into being an entrepreneur. But um, I mean, so I was a younger mom. Um, I was, I think, 22 when I found I was pregnant and then 23 when I had my first son. And for me, I was like, I got to grow up. Like I, I have to go for that big boss job. And, you know, so when all my friends were touring Europe backpacking, I was in boardroom meetings. I was having meetings before the meetings, before the big meetings. And like, you know, I was just constantly um, doing what I could to get the rates, to get the salary. So I wasn't making a ton, but I mean, I think I was like 23 and I was making like 45,000 compared to all my friends. Like that was so much. And, and um, I remember thinking I was in the best job in the entire world because it was sexy. It was fun. It was cool. When you're 20 some years old, I was in the uh, wine and spirits world. So I was working with, you know, going to Vegas and then Kentucky and then going to Miami. And then like, for me though, I realized um, one, when you're having this position, I was never around for my son. Like that was really hard for me. It seemed sexy and cool, but not necessarily for a young mom. And then in that industry, um, it can get kind of dark sometimes. Like there's a lot of glam and fun to it, but there is those, you know, issues of alcoholism and you kind of witness it very often. And so for me, I was like, is this what I'm on the planet for? You know, like, and I do love the art. I'm a certified sommelier through the court of masters. Like I do love that. But at the same time, I felt like there was so much more for me as well. And I bet a lot of your clients definitely feel the same way. I think that's how most of the women on the show are. It's like, we all kind of got to the top of where we were at and realized one, our income is kind of capped Two, We still have somebody bossing us around and telling us our schedule. And then three, it's also the fact that there's always that pool. There's like a desire for something more. And normally we can't put our finger on it, but we just know we have to follow it. Was that what it was well, like? I talk about exactly that. I talk about the push reasons and the pull reasons. So there's the push away. And sometimes for my clients, it might be that toxic work culture. A bad boss is one of the top reasons why people leave, right? The long commute. COVID's been interesting the last few years because there's more flexibility. So things aren't are happening, but there is also a pull back to the traditional ways of working. Um, there might, yeah, there might be all these reasons pushing you away from the stressful work environment. And then there's the pull, which is more exciting, the thing that's pulling you towards more freedom which is our favorite word more fulfillment more flexible working around family being able to travel whatever it is right so there's those two that tension between what's pushing you out and then pulling you towards and I think it's easier for people to know what they don't want that process of actually working on what you do want is so so important so difficult but so exciting and that's what opens up to to do something else yeah that's a good point actually I was just teaching about that yesterday what a coincidence well no such thing as coincidence but yeah a lot of people we don't know exactly what we want and how do you find that that's a great question you just look at what you don't want and then do the opposite <laughs> which can be a good guide because sometimes I mean when I quit I quit 2013 so it's it's 10 years ago so I feel like I need to have some huge celebration um, but I, I didn't really know what I want to do right it was just a moment of okay it felt it was one of the few intuitive decisions I made and mm. usually I'm very much the rational pros and cons and analysis and so on and I think so many of us just don't ask these questions I used to love those personality quizzes careers quizzes you get but you don't get a lot of support at school and when you're 18 how on earth could you possibly know the difference you want to make in the world you don't know what kind of jobs you enjoy that that decision is an impossible thing to make so in a way it's almost inevitable I think that we all have these 10, 15 years of a career that isn't quite right. And then we wake up and that's what happens, right? And then we go, hang on a second. Okay, you've sold me a lie here. I've done everything you told me to do. Is this it? Is this the rest of my life? And more and more, I think that's not the case. And obviously younger generations are realizing, actually, that's I don't even want to start on that path, let alone continue for 10, 15 years, which is exciting again, because obviously things are kind of 
rumbling, I guess. The changes are afoot and new generations are going to have, what, four, five, six different careers, side hustles, multiple projects and so on. So, so things will look very different, I think, in 10, 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So before we get into practical tips on how to really make a, a business work around everything else in your life and having that beautiful balance and harmony. Um, I want to go in a little bit deeper about what you were just sharing here, as far as like the pain and the, the push and the push and the pool. And um, the listeners know, I say this all the time, but my favorite quote of all time is by Dr. Michael Bernard Beckwith. And he says, pain pushes until vision pools. Mm-hmm. And that really just helps me to think about like pain is actually a very beautiful thing. Pain is there to serve you, to show you you're not where you're meant to be. And you have to follow that pool because otherwise it's just, I mean, the pain just gets bigger and bigger and bigger, but the pain gets bigger to show you, to push you a little bit out of your comfort zone until you can finally give yourself permission to like surrender to that vision and let it pull you. So I, I, I wanted to ask you, so what was like the evolution of your business like? So you were just like, no, I have this feeling and I celebrate you that you did something about it because I didn't. I wanted to do it. And I just uh, kept getting deeper and deeper into the company I was working with. And every time I thought I was going to leave, something came up, another raise, another opportunity. And Mm. I don't like that golden handcuff idea where um, I explained the the pain and the the, the pool or the push in the pool, very similar to the scenario of, uh, I call it the brick, I call it uh, feather brick bus. And so the universe will come to you. God will come to you and be like, Oh, you wanted this thing in your own company, right? Here's an opportunity. And you're like, no, I'm too busy. My head is in my, 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 my folder. I got all these things to do. I I, I can't get away. And then all of a sudden another opportunity comes. And now it's like a brick, like getting your attention, like, hello, pay attention. Like you can't miss the brick. You might miss the feather, but you can't miss the brick. You come up with some excuse. I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm, I have this upcoming thing and I'm too deep in this now. And, and just five more years and I'll be there. Right. And then all of a sudden the bus happens. And for me, the bus was getting fired. That is why I started my entrepreneur journey. And I'm so grateful for that bus. But now a big part of what I do is to help women not wait for the bus, like be able to get that courage and to take that leap. And that's something that you did. So can you talk about a little bit more of like, what was that intuition like? And what was it like first getting started in your business? Um, And how did that evolve? But exactly that. And your story is the more common one, right? I mean, I initially, so. as I was quitting, I actually started talking to people and interviewing people, which then became my book and podcast, because I just wanted to reassure myself that other people had done this, because it was so counter to what I've ever done before. I'm the good girl who does as I'm told. People told me I was crazy. But but everything, I think it was it the bus or I think maybe the brick. I don't know, maybe the feather. I'm not sure. I have to think about that. I love that visual because it definitely applies to people. I think, unfortunately, most of us in that comfort zone, which is actually not so comfortable because it's quite routine it's a bit monotonous we feel a bit stuck but it is comfortable I'm respected in my industry oh there's another promotion and I'll do it when my kids are a bit older I've got all Mm -hmm. sorts of potential clients clients who say oh I'll do it when my kids are at school I'll do it when my kids have left school I'll do it when my kids are at college I'll do it when I've had my first there's so many things right and there's no right time so unfortunately as someone told me many years ago, like 95%, 98% of people are not going to take the sleep. It's huge, right? And yeah. I think maybe that number's changing, but I think if you do do it, you're in the minority. And if you stick with it for more than the first year or so, you're definitely in a tiny minority, I think, because most people would very quickly give up and realize actually this is harder than I thought if you don't get the support and so on, right? So I think there's so many reasons and it's important to understand those reasons why we're staying. I 
know so many people in my network and I could never coach my friends. So you have to be a little bit careful, right? But you see what they're doing <laughs> and you're like, what are you thinking? Why are you doing this? They pick the kids up from school. They come back, they work until midnight, one o'clock. They don't care about the job, but they're not looking elsewhere. You know, that all this talk about four day work weeks or you're getting paid for four days, actually, often as a mum, but you're doing five days of work anyway, all these things, right? It's the emperor's new clothes for me. I, it just, in a way, and I feel very privileged to say that, but when you're on the outside looking in, you don't really understand why they're doing it. But of course, for me, on the inside, that was a huge, scary, terrifying leap to make. And I was single with this tiny little apartment that I was renting. I did have cats, which I had to give up. But apart from that, like I didn't have a mortgage, a dog and, you know, anything else. Right. So I recognized that in that situation, I was very lucky. Having said that, out of the 50 stories in my book and out of my many clients since then, that's not the case always. Right. People have done it with you know, pregnant and with a kid or, you know, going through IVF, trying to get kids with chronic illness is a big one too, because actually managing a business, yes, it's stressful to get up and running, but actually you can then design it around your life and so on. Right. So, so long winded answer to your question, but it was, it's hard to really pinpoint how I managed to do it. And I think it was just an alignment of little things that happened for me, personal changes, a long time of wearing me down and it wasn't like a trigger um but that kind of just fit together there was no obvious next role so I, I count myself lucky too um because if I look around and I see some people and I admire them who are still where I was but of course more advanced and, and they love it so so good for them but for me that you know that isn't where I wanted to be so I'm very grateful very glad yeah. that I went off and I've had these last 10 years as well so it's a, it's a difficult decision I recognize that and as you said maybe you don't feel the feather but maybe don't wait for the bus a lot of people wish for redundancy and they think oh I just wish they would uh, kick me out and then I'd have to do it and I get the sentiment but isn't it more empowering to make the decision on your own terms so no one's going to force you to do it but have a look at your finances try to line up your savings you know start working with a coach maybe to design your business model start having those clients coming in and then if and when you want to you can press the button rather than just kind of wishing for someone to, to force you into a really quite stressful yeah. situation. I um, I just had deja vu for a reason. So I feel like that's a good thing. <laughs> this is a conversation to be had. Um, yeah, you know what? And, and I've learned this, especially in the entrepreneur world and life, because you're not just the CEO of your business, you are the CEO of your life. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, you can never win the game of life if you just play your life on defense. Like you can't, you can't just wait for somebody else to make a move and have everything aligned perfectly because nothing's ever is going to be perfect. And I always talk about it. It's like, you know, uh, for us, I always use the example of a baseball game, which is an American sport. So maybe you know what I'm talking about, <laughs> but like, if you get up, um, and, and you've played your life on defense, you can, you can keep other people from winning, but you yourself cannot win unless you get up to bat. And when you get up to bat, you might strike out. You might get bloody knees and get out at, you know, second base, like whatever it is, but you're, that's going to happen in life too. You're going to, you know, fall down. You're going to get up. You're going to strike out. But the only way you're going to win is if you get up again and you, you see it through. And so I think that's a big part of that. You know, I don't know why, but I, I feel like this is a question I want to ask and being directed. So as you know, I told you, I might go a little rogue, but what was it like um, growing up for you? What I have a, I imagine for some reason, you're going to say that your mom and dad were in corporate and doing well and were they the ones kind of like in your ear a little bit when you decided to make this leap of faith do you know not at all bizarrely maybe there's an insight there because my mum actually gave up her career 
for my dad's job he was the CEO very high up leader pioneer in the industry uh-huh. moved to the UK from Sweden actually and because of that she then gave it up and pressed pause she then found her way back to a career later on but there was always that sense she was super smart could have gone really far you know high up in politics and all sorts so there's always that niggling thing of like oh giving up sort of your ambitions and, and career for the family is a bit of a tricky one and then my dad to be honest was quite absent but I think the the childhood story I remember at least I remember my mum telling me about uh at kindergarten like the, the play school I think like pre-starting school I had the end of year ceremony and I went to get my certificate you get a certificate for like playing well I guess <laughs> which is great and they said my name and the way my mum describes it is I like skipped up and I was like oh my gosh it's so exciting getting my certificate and then the teacher said Anna go back and walk properly and so my face just like fell and I shuffled back and I had to like go and walk like the prim and proper girl, whatever, and get my certificate. And I just now with hindsight, see that as a metaphor for what happens at school. You're young and you're full of life and vision. And, you know, we were talking about uh, traveling and, and seeing the stars. And I love that and philosophy and asking questions and I can do so much. And then school and society gradually squeezes you, squeezes you until you're on this conveyor belt path people and I and for a long time I blamed other people and then I realized it's, it's too late to do that I have to look forward but people said oh you can't make it as a writer you can't make it as an actress all these things that I wanted and maybe they were right in some cases but I definitely won't make it if I don't try right if you don't go up to bat I'm not so good with the sports metaphors but I like that one you have to actually try and because I'm pretty sure you know Taylor Swift Richard Branson, whatever, they, Lady Gaga, they believed in themselves. Of course, there are many more who believed in themselves and haven't succeeded, but there's no way you can succeed if you don't at least try. And so it's taken me a long time. Now I write. I did lots of theatre outside of work. I mean, more amateur. Presenting on podcasts and videos and stages is kind of like acting too. So I get a bit of a theatrical flair. And one quote that I really like is, it doesn't matter how fast you're headed, uh, going if you're headed in the wrong direction, right? And that's it. Yeah, sure. I can keep doing the right things that everyone's telling me to do, get the gold star, the good girl, Anna, and so on. But actually, if that's the external validation, it's not something that's meaningful to me. Gradually, you just kind of shrivel up. up. You forget who you are. You lose that whole joy. And I think part of the process, certainly in the early years of quitting my job, was finding my way back to that skipping little girl before before having the joy squeezed out of her now that I've got my own kids I just look at them and I think my god I I so hope that they can keep that that joy and authenticity and purity and so on and I know it's so hard but my goodness I'm going to try to (laughs) support them and to help them believe in themselves and and go a different way I have a question for you about your children um and I'm curious because you know uh, same thing for me I think it's so crazy how do you expect a 17 year old and 18 year old to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars and have it be perfectly what they want to do for the rest of their life in, in university and college um so I went to the University of Delaware and I changed my major four times <laughs> I went from everything I think I started in communications and then somehow I got to fashion what what was I doing like because that's what an eight-year-old girl likes right yeah. like and then um it changed again and again and I eventually the funny part is Anna I graduated with a degree in marketing and a minor in advertising and back then I had a flip phone so my entire <laughs> business is on social media now so literally none of that matters I was curious um how much of your amazing education do you use now in your business and also, too, if your children decided to say, mommy, I don't want to go to university or college, how would you feel? Because personally, um, 
with what I now build my wealth on as far as my business here. And then also my real estate investing, like we both realized no one has ever, ever, ever asked me for my credentials. No one's ever, believe it or not, for any position right. I've for, asked me about my grades. They just maybe wanted to know I went. Like, I don't know. So um, if they say no, I don't want to go. I'm going to actually celebrate a little bit, but I'm going to say, what is your plan? Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, what is that view for you? It's so interesting because I, I love reading about world schooling, homeschooling, different ways of doing things, right? And on paper, at least I, I so see the power of doing alternative things. There's still a nervousness in me of going rogue and, and doing, you know, something totally different to what society wants you to do. So so we're early days now. Sophia, I, I think I maybe rate the wrong age. She's turning four and starting school in September um, and, and Zach is two and a half, but she's going to start now and she's going to start on that very traditional schooling where they don't teach them, obviously not at that age, but they don't equip us with economics and finance and investing and uh, I don't know, growth mindsets. Consciousness, awareness, right? (laughs) Really powerful, soft skilled life skills. And now, of course, with all this artificial intelligence stuff coming out, there's there's a very different skill set needed. It's not just rote learning of reading a textbook and regurgitating, which I I think is what I did, right? You know the answer, all you have to do. I remember at science, you know, you got, you're supposed to have the straight line. And if your points didn't quite match up, you kind of just fudged them, you just erased them and you made them match up because you know that gravity exists. So therefore it must be a straight line or whatever it is, right? So it's not very um, constructive. I think for me, the the course I chose initially before I took a gap year, I took a gap year after school, I was going to study astrophysics and medicine. And then luckily I took that year out. And then I chose this course that was three subjects, mainly to keep my options open. So I thought, oh, I'll study three things. But exactly, as you said, especially in the UK, you do one course, everyone does geography or biology or archaeology, and then everyone goes into banking or finance. Mm -hmm. And it's so interesting that you said that you did marketing and advertising, but of course, 20 years later, it's no longer relevant. So I don't think the subject matter is what's important, right? I would guide my kids, hopefully, and others to... First of all, if they're going to go to university, choose something they're passionate about and so on and not worry so much about if there's a career in it, because, you know, 10, 20 years later, that's going to change anyway. Um, But secondly, above all, be really curious and just try things. And so if you want to try to start your own business, then do it. If you want to go to like an incredible consulting company, corporation, whatever to experience that, do it. Just always keep your eyes open and don't allow yourself to do 10, 15, 20 years head down and then suddenly regret it right so I think hopefully what I'm seeing in younger people is that they're already asking the right questions but it's so we age so quickly and we so quickly shrink back into that comfort zone and so when we graduate we think we can do anything and suddenly 20 years later we've lost that confidence and hope and we think no but I'm a marketing director that's all I can do I couldn't possibly do anything else in any other industry which just isn't true so I hope that I'll have the confidence to support my kids and doing something alternative and I'm very careful about not saying good girl good girl and I'm always trying to support in particular my daughter about her creativity and oh that's so thoughtful of you and trying to compliment the the other things and not just well done you've done a really perfect like line there on the paper which doesn't feel like it's going to guide you but it's scary isn't it with kids you, the little things you say to to form them who knows yeah. what what new mistakes we'll make and trying to avoid other ones so we'll no, see my- Totally. Um, they are little sponges. My oldest is Derek and we call him Derek the parrot because he literally absorbs everything. And I agree with you on that. Um, okay. We're going to jump into your expertise, but I, before we get into the practical tips and everything, um, I am pretty sure that you lead by example on what you teach. 
So I take it you're not working a nine to five. What is your daily schedule, weekly schedule like? What is it like in the life of Anna London? <laughs> so what's funny is I just wrote a post on LinkedIn, partly because I've been 10 years out of the corporate world now, I was reflecting back on flexibility. And the first two years when I quit, I landed in digital marketing consulting. So working with other big companies, you mentioned some of them. And basically I, I came in to do a few weeks of work. Of course, they thought I was great because, you know, and then they asked me to stay for longer. And then I was there six months, nine months. They offered me full-time jobs often. And then I'd say, no, no, and um, finish it off. And then I go traveling for like a month, three months. And then I have another contract, three months, six months, and then I travel. So that was balance in those days, single, working, earning a lot of money, but pretty rigid corporate structures still, and then traveling. I then decided to know I want more freedom. So I kind of did the digital nomad thing. I took my business on the road, everything virtual. I trained and certified as a coach. I was advising startups and entrepreneurs. I was in Hawaii, San Francisco, Texas, all sorts. A lot of America, actually, which was very cool. And flying over the Grand Canyon and, you know, wine tasting and Napa and all these, <laughs> spending all the money that I was earning. And then, unfortunately, I fell in love with an Englishman um, who had a nine to five in London. So I came back to the UK and then fell into more of a Monday to Friday routine because then I could see him in the evenings and the weekends. Obviously, Corona happened. He quit his job. We've moved down to the south coast by the sea. Now the kids are at daycare three days a week. So my current schedule is three-day work week, basically, because that's when the kids are at nursery. And to be honest, some of that, for example, today before I spoke to you, I've gone for a run and done a workout. Um, you know, there's other home stuff, laundry, whatever, packing for trips and things. So the actual billable hours, I guess you'd call them as much, much less. So yes, absolutely. Right now, it's a pretty low, <laughs> low input, I guess, for the output that I'm getting. And then when Sophia starts school in September, We'll move from three long days to five shorter days. So then things will have to change again. So it's interesting because you, I can't stick to, and I imagine it's the same for everybody, especially when you've got kids, you can't have the same rigid business model that's always going to work, right? You need to be a bit fluid and adapt and, and be, get a bit creative with how you're managing things. Yeah, my kind of girl, exactly. I think for me, I've never really did a nine to five because I was always in sales and sales works is you got to pick up that phone call in order to make it happen. And so if it means that they're only available at nighttime to mm. have that phone call, you're going to take it. If it's the weekend, you're going to take it. Um, there is, I, this is like the worst. I remember standing outside of my kid's birthday party on the phone the entire time because I had to make numbers. I've always missed Halloween. I've always missed New Year's Eve because why it's the end of the month. That's when you have to get your numbers in, you know? And so I, you know, after I got fired, I mean, there was times I do remember going, uh, staying up to like two in the morning, taking calls. And then I remember my boss called me one time at six in the morning and she's like, where are you at? Like, get going. And I was just like, and I remember, I remember my son was there and he was crying and he was like, mom, like you love your boss more than you love me. And I remember he oh. said that oh. and I, I flipped out on her. I was like, I can't do this right now. And then the next conversation I think we had was gun to the head. Like, where's your next sale? Like, let's go. Like, you know, and I, I could keep up with it. I could do it. I could keep up with the boys. I could go, go, go. I could do, do, do. But once the, the bus hit me, I said, no, never again. And so for me, I rewrote the script on how it could be. And that was hard. You know, it was, a, it was a really a lot of habits to change. Like it took a lot of standards and boundaries, like very healthy boundaries and a lot of reconditioning, but I'm with you. I do the three day work week. You are my first phone call of the day, 11 AM, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, I'm done by four usually now, mm. but it's, it didn't, it wasn't always like that. I think it's really understanding your profit producing activities. Mm. There is strategy to it, but there is a lot of imagination. It's a lot of like, 
energy work and, and inner work of being like, is this true? Or is this just a bullshit lie that I'm telling myself? Am I just telling myself a story? Am I making problems into problems that are actually aren't problems? Mm-hmm. Do I have to do those things? And am I even getting a return on the things that I'm doing? Right. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just like to be busy. So it's very possible. I love, you know, not many women can say that they have a three-day work week, but you and I both mm-hmm. do. And I think that's really cool. And it's possible. It's possible. And the weird part is you're probably making more money than ever before. <laughs> I am. Yeah, and it's three days. <laughs> absolutely. And, and if you're not, it's okay too, because sometimes the season is, you know, my income definitely has gone up and down when I was traveling and spending all my money and like, you know, champagne and paddleboarding or whatever, you know, not so much focusing on the business because that was that season. I just wanted yeah. to have a lot of fun and I was spending a lot of money. And then there's a time when I came back to London when I was a bit more focused and now I've got a pretty nice balance, I think, but it, it can and will fluctuate. But that story you told is so sad and so common. And the worst thing I think is when we quit a job, start a business and recreate that same thing. And that's, as you said, it's the mindset, it's the habits, because there's no reason now you don't have the boss telling you, Hey, Cynthia, you've got to make that call at midnight or whatever, right? It's your choice. So a couple of times recently, I agreed to do some uh, virtual webinars for a longstanding client on a day that I don't usually work. And I did it, like I said, I never usually do this, but there was no way of moving it. They got it wrong. I was like, look, I'll do it as an exception. It was hell. Like the kids wouldn't leave the house. I heard them screaming throughout the entire hour. I was just feeling, why am I doing this? And it wasn't worth the money. It was just, you know, in the moment I'd made the decision. So I had only myself to blame. But each each of those experiences teaches me something. And the next time I'm very clear, setting that boundary. No, I don't work Tuesdays. You know, I'm not going to do it. Often it's just around bedtime or something. It's like, no, the pain it causes me and then the message it sends to my kids is just not worth it so unless it's like 100k for like an hour's work it's unlikely that I'll ever say no to that kind of thing but that takes time as you said when you first start you don't know you you don't have the confidence to say no to those things because you feel like you have to say yes to everything uh you can't uh, have the clarity of the activities you should be focusing on so it does take time and or you know guidance from someone who can help you work out what you should be focusing on yeah so let's get into some of the practical tips because you know, it's, it's not usually the person that first starts, the person that first starts has a blank calendar and then they start making activities. And, you know, a lot of times they feel like, just say, yes, just say, yes, just say, yes. So we can get the money. All we care about is money. All we care about money. And then all of a sudden they're making money and they turn around and they realize though, that they are not having this vision of the entrepreneurship that they thought they would have. They just have a really busy job that they created for themselves. And so, the person who's listening, who's like these bitches, like three days a week, how, how, like, there's no way because I'm here and I'm telling you whether they're in corporate, they're like, there's no way my boss will let this happen. Or maybe they're an entrepreneur, uh, which most of our listeners are shout out to my entrepreneurs where they're sitting there and they're saying, but I have this many clients. Like it's not possible. How is it that they can be able to start making the changes to actually get to where there is that healthy life um, work kind of, I don't like the word balance. I like to say harmony, right? That's a big I love thing. harmony. I like integration, harmony, synergy, right? Because work-life balance assumes that you've got work over here and life there. Right. And by definition, more life will mean less work and the other way around. And I agree with you. What we see is actually they're very synergistic. There's a harmony. It's never going to be a hundred percent Zen yoga pants life, but <laughs> that's but what at the same for. time. This is me working right now. <laughs> <laughs> I am hanging out with you and we're having, just the having a chat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, like, this is work. So, um, but yeah, so for that person who's like, yeah. I don't like where I'm at, I want to start making a change, but I can't even see how it's possible. How do you speak to that person? What is the advice for them? 
Yeah, so there's a few different stages there as well. So there's the stage of when you're really just starting out and then there's so much to work on, right? You don't have any income yet. And, and perhaps you're doing it alongside your day job, which is usually advisable, at least to start, because then you can really be free to explore things, to test things out and so on, right? I think if you have been made redundant or if you've decided to quit, there's much more pressure on bringing in that money right away. And then I think you do need to say yes to things and you need to be pragmatic so that you get the income so that you're then free to again explore um so that's the early stage then there's the stage of people sort of just spinning their wheels and they're not really they've kind of had the first clients and it's really exciting but that initial energy is gone and then it's just the drudgery of showing up and being consistent and hang on a second it's not quite working and then you get to the stage of hey it is working but you've got that person who is yeah all these clients and and not getting the freedom lifestyle that they want and so for me I have the five pillars that I talk about and I think they're really applicable so the first one is defining success for you you have to have a clear vision of what you want so big picture it doesn't have to be like the next 10 20 years of your life we talked about that pool towards a vision of what you'd like it to be and it might seem completely far-fetched now but I think you'd be surprised sometimes there are elements of that vision that you could bring into today I always talked about you know if I want to be a best-selling writer no I can't like today have 10 books on the New York Times bestseller list but hey I can start writing and that's at least going to get me on the path to to possibly having a book on their list or certainly having books and now I've written three books right or I want to live by the sea maybe initially I can't live by the sea and I get goosebumps a little bit because I've done both of these things now right but I used to use this as an example of something that I would never do um and so I can't move to the sea right now but I could spend a weekend there I could go on a holiday right so you can take little steps in that direction but the first thing is painting your vision and the second thing that I think you talk about so much of course is your mindset and it's it's breaking down those beliefs around you have to hustle to make the money and uh, being an entrepreneur is riskier than having a job and all these things and that takes time but working on your confidence and your resilience is that second pillar and then we get into the tangible I'll just outline the big picture and then you can ask more specific questions, but the tangible business model, you have to have a business model that works, which means working with the right kind of clients who aren't going to be calling you at midnight or Saturdays or Sundays, if that's not what you want, who are paying you enough to make it viable to work only three days a week or whatever it is that you want, uh, you know, the right products, services, group programs, high ticket, whatever you want to call it. Then I like to uh, think about my personal brand and you know, you have one, we all have one. And that's what we're building to attract people to us. So we're not having to go out there and push and beg people to work with us. We've built that credibility and authority in our space that people will come to us. I hesitate to use the word effortlessly, but at least it's, it's easier, right, than having to kind of struggle for it. And then the fifth pillar is the work-life integration. And that's where we look at having super clear priorities. I'm a fan of time blocking, setting boundaries and so on. So it really is you know, I'm sorry, I don't have a magic pill that Kaching will give you the three day work week, but it starts with the vision and the mindset. Then there's the business model and the brand and the marketing. And then there is the really the day to day. You actually have to say no to people. You have to say, oh, sorry, I don't work on Fridays. But, you know, inevitably people respect it when they find out, you know, if you're super clear, that's how I work. It's OK. That's no one's. And if they do, if they do care and they don't want to work with you, then fine, they can sail on by to the next person right and you can work with the people who really share your values and will support your model so those are the five pillars that I think you need to to get to a place where you're actually getting the, the vision of success that's meaningful to you you said so many good things there if you notice I'm literally taking notes over here because I think it's uh it's I hope everybody re-listens to the part she just said so you know, I, I think this is cool to talk about because people ask me this all the time um, after I was fired I had no 
clients, no programs, no testimonials. I never was an entrepreneur before, but yet I created a six figure income in four months and multiple six in six months. And people always ask me like, how? And I think it's, it goes back to like what I actually was doing in corporate. I was always a, um, a sales manager. I've been in sales mm-hmm. since day one. And so with sales managers, you can't just be like, okay, guys, let's, let's go do our best. Let's hope we make our goals. All right, team, let's try. Right? Like, it's like, it's not like that. If you don't hit your goals, you're fired. And so is your team. And like, you're the manager, you have a lot of weight. So my job is constantly to forecast. And if the goal was 2 million in this one product, it, you don't go for 2 million. You have to go for 2.25 at least. So you always, if something goes wrong, something always is going to go wrong. So you have to have that margin of error. And then what happens is um, I, I'm constantly training big picture, big picture. I'm never stuck in the maze. It's not like, all right, we have to hit this month. We have to this month. We have to see like, what do we have to do this quarter? What do we have to do this year? And if we don't hit this, what does that mean for the rest of the year? Like, and so my brain is constantly budgeting. It's constantly forecasting. I was always seeing big picture. And I think that really helped me of what you were saying here is like, you know, obviously define success, but have um, that, that tangible business model and be able to see how it's going to work for you because in the beginning, yeah, say yes, <laughs> definitely say yes. Anybody that's like, no, just, you know, say no to people. Like, no, I've always said yes. And I'm glad to hear that you said that too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, it's like, say yes, but start having boundaries from day one. Mm. So people like, that was the question people are like, how'd you do it? I, I honestly started in my mind and in the way I was running my business on day one as a multiple seven figure woman. Right. So like, that's how I kind of did it. And, and what I did was I created certain boundaries. So for instance, um, I'll get clients that come to me and they're like, Cynthia, um, I offer Voxer support to my clients, which is like the walkie talkie. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, cool. So what does that look like? They're like, oh, it's 24 access. I'm like, yeah. oh, hell no. <laughs> oh, like, first of all, what are you charging for that? Absolutely not. But at the same time, like that's not healthy. So yeah, I love Voxer because it helps my one-on-one clients get so much support. But my Voxer, for instance, is Monday through Thursday. Mm-hmm. And it's not throughout the day because I'm working. So it's a like end of the day recap. Yeah. And I have them like sense. write it out so that I can, if I can answer, I can get back to you quicker. And I voice message. So like little things like that from day one is going to help, especially if you start creating like an Ascension plan, right? It, mm-hmm. Cause it's like, oh wait, why would I buy the next thing? If I already get that here, it's having that like special boundaries and stuff. But that's a really powerful example. And I think you're yeah. very lucky to have the sales background because I came from a marketing background. So yes, I'm great at creating content and building brands, but the sales piece for me, was it took me a while to realize, hang on a second, <laughs> I'm just putting out great content. I'm not actually asking for the sale. And I didn't have that discipline partly because I turned my back on corporate. I, even though we've done business plans and all this forecasting, I didn't have that discipline in my own business so that was a painful lesson for me to learn so I think you you did a better job there but those boundaries are really interesting because I think there's this myth again I believe it's a myth and I know you agree that you have to in the beginning yeah yeah yeah, you can have the freedom later but from the start you have to do everything everyone says but the problem is what are you going to do you're going to build a successful business based on hustle stress clients who don't respect you so that Mm -hmm. books for example is really interesting one because I hope people can see how easy it is to just say hey I've got office hours Monday to Thursday. People will respect you. That nobody expects you to deliver 24-7, seven you know days a crazy? week individual it's, support. It's so crazy. And, and this is the funniest part, especially when you just say it with like, I call it hashtag, but of course, the energy of like, yeah, but of course, I'm not available on Fridays. <laughs> um, people not once ever, not one time ever, ever have I had somebody say, why not Fridays? Not once, right? But 
that I was concerned to do it the first time, but I, I did that. And I make sure when I am doing what I'm doing, I'm actually like really tuned in. And that's something else that I think newer entrepreneurs struggle with. Well, if I'm not available, then I'm not giving in my all. And then I'm not giving my clients, you know, I, I'm being kind of selfish. No, I promise you that's different because if you're not taking care of yourself, what happens is you're just giving her a little bit and giving her a little bit. And now she, she gets some of you, but what happens is you're scattered all over and everybody just gets like, a mediocre version of you, like just parts of you versus you being like, I'm present now and now I'm off. So when you're on, you're fully on and they get all of you versus when you're off, like they just let that known. And it's really interesting. Most of my clients, you know, nobody has said why not Fridays, but most of them say, thank you for leading by example. And I was going to say your role modeling, right? Because those of your listeners who like us are working with other entrepreneurs and supporting them and so, and we want to show them that this is possible. If I didn't do that, I'd be, you know, that would be completely counterproductive. So I think that's great when, when our clients are respecting that saying, oh my goodness, amazing. I can see now that I can do that too. And we're giving them permission almost to say no to their clients as well. And I think what you said, the business model is everything. It's really smart to, I mean, I, I've had the honor of working um, with a very successful business consultant. I think that's kind of how we found each other a little bit too. And then, um, you know, but working as a salesperson in a business consulting company, I had to work with every single entrepreneur and I learned the ins and outs of their business. I watched what worked, what didn't, and I did it on everybody else's dime. So I literally learned, you know, uh, what a lawyer was doing. I learned what the doctors were doing. I learned what psychics were doing. I learned what, like, so I saw these different business models. And so when I was able to start my own, I knew which one I wanted. And for me, and I'm sure you do this too, it's about having recurring revenue. It's about creating a subscription-based model so that you can secure future income. I was just discussing with you. I'm very excited, but um, next month I'm taking off 10 days to go to Croatia with my husband. And we're really discussing about coming out near you and taking the entire month of July off. Um, I will coach, but I only coach two days of the entire month. So I'm like, when I'm there, and that's gonna be fun anyway. But um, it's because of the business model that I've created that helps a lot. And I'm sure that's how you set it up too. having that recurring. It changes well, just your come life. back from two weeks in Sweden, which is not quite the beautiful weather in Croatia. There was a snowstorm yeah. as I was leaving, but two weeks there and I really didn't work. I, I did plan actually to do a few evenings, but the only thing I did was the thing that I love, which is grabbing my notebook and like strategizing and envisioning uh-huh. and, you know, having new ideas and so on. But I, had, I definitely no calls, nothing like that. I knew it would just be distracting and to be able to take two weeks off. And then, as you said, in the summer, I'm toying with the idea now of maybe only working term time because with schools, mm-hmm. I need to be able to have the kids, whatever it is, six weeks, eight weeks in the summer, Easter holidays, Christmas and everything. So it's really having that vision of what you want. And as you said, for, for a lot of people, for it will require some kind of leverage time and recurring revenue and so on but even there there's space for you to really reflect on what works for you and your life so maybe you don't have kids maybe um some people you know want to front load the year they want to do six months crazy work <laughs> and then six months sailing around the world that's fine right so that could work or if you love delivering in person or if you want it to be pre-recorded if you love the intimacy of one-to-one and you want to have that kind of high ticket intensive experience or if you want to rather maybe have less of an impact individually, but to reach more people. And those are all the kind of questions that you can ask yourself. And then of course, look at the financials to make sure it adds up. But it's really yeah. exciting because you it's, it's scary in a way because there's no blueprint that you can follow, but it means that you get to, within certain parameters, you get to design how it's going to work for you and your family. Yeah, I think that the answer really is how do I do both? Like that's always been the 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 solution for me. It's not this or that, it's this and mm-hmm. that. How can I have something that's super scalable, that's like a well-oiled machine that constantly fills up and builds recurring, but at the same time, how do I have high ticket, high touch 
where, you know, it's, it's, I can really support, it lights you up. And at the same time, mm-hmm. it fills up a big part of it, but it is scary if you do just one. And if you just do the other, that's what mm-hmm. I've noticed, because if you do high ticket and you're charging $10,000 a month per client, one of those clients, something happens, like that's a huge hit, but also too, when you have scalable models, sometimes like that's where a lot of the hiccups can tend to happen because it's not as high touch. It's like, you know, so many things are moving. So you really just have to have structures and policies and things put into place that are really important. Um, I am sure that you have a really good tip about how to get to that three-day work week or how to um, be able to really start managing your calendar. I have one that just came to me that I think I'd like to share that mm-hmm. is really unique. And when people hear it, they're like, oh, that makes total sense. But uh, is there anything that you like, what's your favorite tip when it comes to the so I, I like using the ideal week, um, which is, and people say, oh, that sounds a bit ridiculous and far-fetched, but basically you map out what your ideal week would look like. And it's never going to be that, but basically based on my goals, based on my vision, I want to make sure that that is anchored in the day to day. For example, if I want to be a writer, I suddenly years ago thought, hang on a second, if I looked at my calendar, I was not spending a single minute or a day writing. And so you've got this vision of what you want to be. I want to be working with these types of clients. I want to be on stage speaking to people, whatever. And then you look at what you're doing and you're not taking any of the actions that are in any way going to get you to that vision. And that's soul destroying. (laughs) It's having this vision. And that's what happened to me in corporate. I was in one place, but wanted to be somewhere else. And that's horrible over time, right? So it's, it's looking at, okay, if I want to build out my group program, what do I need to be using, doing? Is it a webinar that I need to create? I need to be the content I need to create, lead, nurture, all the things that, you know, we don't have to have a lesson in sort of business strategy now, but whatever the priorities are that you, and I'm sure you've got lots of, I know you have lots of podcasts on that too. Um, but being super clear on those strategies that you have, you said your first call today was 11 o'clock. I never do any phone calls in the mornings because that is my sacred time. Content creation, sometimes gym and exercise and, and whatever else. Um, and and so on right so the mornings are sacred for me and then I do client calls and workshops and things in the afternoon because I have slightly lower energy but when I'm with a client I know that I'm going to show up in a different way if it was just me I'd quite easily just let that kind of fizzle out my big tip for last year was I had Thursdays was uh, writing my book (laughs) so every Thursday more or less in the morning I'd go out to a cafe no wi-fi have a coffee and cake and then I'd write my book and then you know by the end of the year I'd written and published my book it's not quite that simple but basically blocking out your vision in tangible calendar blocks and then every week kind of just checking in saying hang on a second okay well that was a bit unrealistic to spend all of Monday morning doing that because Monday we've got to do this with the kids or whatever and these emails come in and so maybe I can shift that here and so on but that's the tool um, that I use and of course the ideal week includes family time date night friends exercise all these things right so that's on my calendar as well it's one calendar it's integrated it's that harmony that you talked about um, and it all needs to be there it's not just the work priorities you need to sometimes you need to plan lunch or a break because otherwise you just sit there yeah. <laughs> like that right sometimes you don't even leave the house I haven't got my 10,000 steps today I realize even though I went for a tiny little run but you know you need to you need to really make a conscious effort to put those big rocks in first as they say so that's my tip Yeah, I um, know. That's so good. And it's, it's interesting, because um, this is kind of how I look at it. And and people when you first hear this, you're like, wow, she is cuckoo. Like, she sounds like so disciplined that it sounds like boot camp, like punishment. I'm like, no, you don't understand. It's discipline is freedom. Like that's how I look at it. So yeah, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but it's like a certain thing. So Tuesday is always like my time. So I don't really put many things in the book. Um, it'll be content creation or really just 
writing some copy, like really kind of mapping out the next two days because my Wednesdays and Thursdays are usually marathons. Um, I only coach two days of the entire month. And the reason is, is because I put it all on like all on those two days, they're marathon of days, but I come really well rested. I meditate beforehand, got my protein shakes. And I love like having this go, go, go day. And it's coaching is the funnest part. Right. And then Thursday, as you can tell, is my podcast day where I have my guests and everything. Um, but this is like the, the secret sauce that I figured out. So I have this big calendar and I'm a paper pen kind of girl. I have this big calendar that my computer's on right now. And I love that because I get to see full picture. And when you do it on your, your phone, it's kind of hard to see here and there, Mm -hmm. but everything that's on here is in the phone. It's communicated with the team and my husband has it. My clients have it. And, um, what it is, it's cool is because I can flip and I can see months and months from now. And I have my whole calendar actually filled up for the full year. But what I do is I make the first and third week of every month be like my busier week. So I coach twice, Mm -hmm. right? So that's the first week and the third week. And then, um, I, most of my clients, you know, they don't necessarily need like that hand holding. These are women who are multiple six mm-hmm. going to seven, seven. So two times a month is all they really need for that support, whether it's group coaching or, you know, one-on-one. So it's this day and that day. And I love it because if my husband says, Cynthia, like, do you want to go to France in, I don't know, um, in September? And I'm like, sure. Like how long he's like a week. I'm like, okay, sure. I'm available the second mm-hmm. or the fourth week of any week. So like I can, you know, I'll put things in there, but if you plan it far enough, I know that that's going to be open. And then how it works too is, and this is hard for people in the beginning, but I don't say like, Cynthia, can you do this podcast? Can you be interviewed? Sure. It's like, okay, do you want to do Friday or do you want to do Tuesday? Now, Tuesday already have 10 things scheduled, but I don't want to go on Friday. So I just, I don't look for the open spot in my calendar. I just find like that little slither that I can just make it go in because I like to just go and now four day work weekend. Like I'm working, I'm having fun and I'm ready for today. I'm all energized. And then I am off these days. So like, I, that's how I kind of like to do it. So it's like, I always can plan anything I want. And I always know that I'm off on these you know, four day weekends and I have weeks that I can schedule and it's literally, that's it. It's the first week, the third week, and then making sure you squeeze it into the three days versus just putting it anywhere open. Like, and that's changed everything for me. I love that. And as you said, people are so resistant, especially if they're creative and you have that freedom. When I first quit my job, I wanted no alarm in the morning. I wanted to just follow the energy. And so, and it was amazing. And I needed that. And people do need that. But then if I want to get the business results, I can't just, oh, today I don't feel like writing. I'm going to do this and so I can, but I'm not really going to go a very direct path to my goals of writing a book, speaking, earning this amount of money. Right. So if you're happy to take it slow and just enjoy life for a bit, that's really important. But actually, if you want to then start moving forwards and and hit those goals, you do need that discipline. And you know, I, I keep coming back to the writing just because it's I've always wanted to be a writer and that's sort of part of what I love to do. Someone said, you know, you talk about writer's block, but you'd never say, oh, I've got trucker's block. Like if you've got to get up in the morning and drive your truck, you're not going to go, oh, no, I don't feel like doing it. I just don't have the spark today. Right. So if you're going to be a writer, you need to do it. And there are certain things for you. If you've got it in the calendar, you've got your client calls. Yeah, you're showing up for your clients. Right. That's what you do. And of course, if you really can't because you're not well or, or there's some other thing, then you would reschedule for integrity and so on. But generally, there is a bit of discipline and and work is not always super sexy and exciting right as much as I love speaking to you and I love the writing and I love so many parts of it sometimes there are some pretty you know not so fun parts of work but you still have to do them knowing that that's going to create the freedom thanks to the money thanks to the effort you're putting in now that you can then take the the, those other two weeks off or the four-day week uh, weekend and so on 
Yeah. So really good conversations here. And what we're going to definitely do is make sure that we get the book links so that we can put that below so people can um, look at your books, but also too, and we'll put all the different links in the descriptions. What is the best place for people to learn more about you, to reach out, to uh, learn more about how they could work with you as well? Well, the, you mentioned the podcast and obviously as a listener of your podcast, I imagine people are fans of podcasts. So that's always a great place to start reimagining success. It's full of inspiration, but also practical tips. And every month, once a month, I speak to someone as you're doing in a way, but really someone to share how they're reimagining success, which I always find really inspiring. Obviously, selfishly for me, it's great to hear how other people are rethinking things and it always gives me inspiration. And um, if you go to my website, onestepoutside.com, there are a couple of free resources there, of course. There's years worth of blogs and, and podcasts and things that you can find there. So One Step Outside, by the way, my business name comes from everything you've ever wanted is one step outside your comfort zone. So that was my initial coaching concept 10 years ago which I still kind of stand by even now it's so easy to shrink back into my comfort zone because you get into your grooves like this is working I'm, I'm doing these things but then there's that little inkling in you that actually you know I want to do more I want to be bigger or do something different and then you need to put your big hell pants on again as they say and, and you know get out of that comfort zone and, and start learning again so it's it's a never-ending journey isn't it of, of challenging yourself and taking risks and and trying different things but hopefully hopefully we've inspired people a little bit to question that that vision of success that they have and not just follow apply you know someone else's blueprint but really question hang on a second what is it I'm working towards and then begin to think critically as to the business model that's going to work and above all as we said set those boundaries say no early on yes say yes to projects and of course if you need the money you know we're, we're not we're in a privileged position when we can say no to things and be like oh it's fine it's going to come and so on but assuming you have at least the basics there I think it's I know it's so important to build the foundations right from the beginning because otherwise you're just delaying the pain and in a few years time you'll have a successful financial business but you won't be too happy you won't be too healthy and your family might not be so happy either. So hopefully again, yeah, believe that you can create something different and, and get started working on, on creating it. I love that. So again, we're going to leave all these links, especially the podcast. So head on over there, make sure you leave um, a little review for her, for Anna, make sure you, you subscribe, all the wonderful things. Anna, what a lovely conversation. Thank you so much for being an amazing guest today. Well, thank you for having me, Cynthia, and have an amazing trip to Croatia okay. and hopefully see you in the UK in a few weeks or a few months. Uh yeah, I'm going to hit you up when I do. <laughs> Easy. Okay. And for our listeners, until next time, acknowledge it, embrace it, see you through. Thank you for listening to the Inner Feminine Beast podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a review. I check my reviews every week and each one truly does mean so much. So thank you. And also, if you want to keep the conversation going, be sure to visit my website, innerfeminineBeast.com to join our communities and so you can also connect with women who are on the same journey. I can't wait to see you on the inside.